Don't worry about that. Yes, I'm coming soon. Yes, I will bring to fruition my plan, and it will be glorious. But in the meantime, here's what you are to do. But you shall receive power, dynamite, and the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, empowers you, and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my martyrs, is really the same word in the original language. And um, Jesus' plan has never changed. And tonight we want to just maybe talk a little bit more. We talked this morning just kind of a challenge of, uh, from the scriptures. That that's the purpose, one of the main purposes that Jesus left us here for was to tell with our mouths the message of the gospel. Now, we're not all supposed to be doing, we're all different parts of the body, but we're all commanded, all commanded by the Lord Jesus to tell. And not just, quote, unquote, when the person comes running up to us, what must I do to be saved? Yes, of course, live our lives in such a way that hopefully they'll want that. But we are actively called, Jesus said, as the Father, what? Sent me, so send I you. And Jesus' plan, God's plan, has never changed. He's come to redeem the world. And then he sets up his kingdom. That's it. That's it. But from our point of view, in a sinful nature, with, with sin still in us, we, we kind of like it here. Devil's world, the, the devil's world ain't so bad. Jesus was tempted that way too, wasn't he? If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this. Stuff and authority, it said. Why? Because it's been given to me. Back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve lost their dominion. They were the ones supposed to rule. That's what God told them. Go out and rule over everything. It's yours. And it was God's kingdom at that time. And it was perfect. And they were riding on the lions and the giraffes, and there was no poison ivy and hurricanes and no death, and it had to be incredible. But then something happened. Somewhere in the line, Lucifer must have looked in a mirror, I guess, and saw that he was beautiful and had this idea, this choice to choose not to submit anymore to God but to do what he wanted to do, to be his own God. I will be like God. I don't need a God. I'm God. How blinded, right? How foolish to think that we don't need the one who gives us everything. I mean, spoken into existence, an invisible, an invisible angel, poof, there's Lucifer and all, all the other hosts. And the same with us. We're created from the dust. And we do the same because Adam, think with me, back in the Garden of Eden, what really transpired how serious it was when Adam said yes to who? Now called Satan, the adversary. Yes, I believe you, Satan. God is a liar. I won't die when I eat this. God's not good. You're right. He is trying to withhold something from me. He knows when I eat this fruit, I'll be like God. Then I'll know what evil is. Won't that be great? No. Now man knows what evil is. Rebellion against God. And from that moment on, Satan is now the ruler of this world. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And as we reminded one another this morning, ask Stephen Pappas what's important to him right now. Because the curse, he's dying. Because the curse, I'm dying. Because of Satan's kingdom, there's death. Satan comes to steal, kill, destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So God has a plan. It's always been his plan. He's going to demonstrate to the universe that I'm not just loving, good, and kind to provide people and create people and then give them everything so they can be sustained and happy. No, no, no. I'm going to let them be in rebellion and murder me, hate me that much. And I'm going to redeem them, forgive them, by allowing my son to be crucified on the cross, punishing him the way I ought punish them, 
so that I can love them as I do love him. So Jesus said, John 17, Father, make them one so the world might know that you sent me and that you love them even as you love me. And so now we, in a real sense, are in God's kingdom. In part. Spiritually, we're in his kingdom. He's our king. We are his servants. But we're in enemy territory. There's an incredible war going on. Incredible war going on. Satan is murdering people daily. Christians, not just Christians for being Christians. Every death is because of Satan. Babies are being sucked out of mother's wombs. Heads being ripped off and thrown into the dumpsters. This is Satan's kingdom. He is not playing around. And God one day, through the sending of his son, would crush his head. And he did at the cross. But he's still running loose, isn't he? For a time. From God's point of view, a short time. From our point of view, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Before the blood of the martyrs is justified. That will happen. So why is he waiting? Someone tell me. Open forum here. Why is he waiting? Why is he waiting to end this war and put the enemy where he belongs in the fiery lake for eternity? Someone. It's what it says. Second Peter chapter 3. We showed it on the diagram this morning. Before he obliterates with fire this earth and the heavens, that means all the starry host, the first and second heaven, the third heaven is God's home. That, of course, won't be destroyed. But all of created matter, one day soon, to just be, Jesus holds it together, he's going to let it go. All the atoms in the universe will be let go. Whatever's holding them together, Jesus' power. And there is going to be the Big Bang Theory. And then he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Forever, forever in his kingdom, removing the remembrance, the taint, the smoke as it were, the shadow even, the remembrance of any evil. Hallelujah. But he's patient with us. Second Peter says that. The Lord's not slow about his promise, coming back and destroying the world and making a new heaven and new earth. But he's patient with you, Second Peter says. That's chapter 3. In chapter 1, the verse, first verse of the book, it says he's writing to those, I'm writing to you, Peter says, to those who have a like faith. He's writing to believers. So when he says, I'm patient, God is patient toward you, who's the you? Those who are believers. He's patient toward us. Not willing, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Remember in Luke 24, we read about the resurrection this morning. Jesus is the one who said, it is written that Christ would suffer, but he'd be raised on the third day. And what else was written? Repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name. Third and final stage, part of the program before he comes and sets up his kingdom. Using us, one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is. And just personally, off the quote-unquote scriptural scriptural record, just from experience, people are so ready to hear. They are. Had the wonderful privilege on the beach a few nights ago to talk to, a, I think I shared this this morning, an 83-year-old woman, uh, Janine, Catholic lady. If we've been going down there, you might remember her. She's the uh, skinny little old lady, nice, just walking, getting her exercise, getting her suntan, sweet lady. <clears throat> and her toes are all bent over from arthritis. Just kind of shuffles through, but she's just exercising. And uh, I talked to her briefly once before, one of the first times we were here a few months back. And, oh, yes, I love Jesus. And we were busy at the time, so I didn't con continue the conversation. And I see her almost every time I'm there, a sweet lady. I got a chance to sit down next to her for about 45 minutes. She's a Catholic woman. No, I'm not born again. She's just reading out loud the whole uh, gospel tract that we're going to go through in just a minute. Sitting there. 
Oh, I have to be born again. As far as I know, she's not yet. But she was sent home with the scriptures in her pocket. She wanted a few more to take to her other Catholic friends, she said. And encouraged her to read her Bible, the book of John. And I'm hoping to meet her uh, perhaps even tonight. I'm going to maybe think of going down there and seeing if she's there or some other nights. Anyway, people, that's just one. People are so open. The world is coming to a close and everybody knows it. I've said that a thousand times. Just talk to people. So, let's look at another brief uh, couple stories from the Gospel of Mark. And then I'd like to give some practical uh, teaching, uh, encouragement, what do you want to say, training and in sharing the gospel. And uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John had been taken into custody, John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the good news of God. Okay? And he's saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Two things, repent and believe in the good news. Repent. Two sides of the same coin. They are not identical. Repentance is not believing. Believing is not repentance. But they almost are. (laughs) You can't have one without the other as far as salvation is concerned. Paul said that in Acts 20, 21. I was faithful to preach repentance toward God and faith or belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is a change of mind about my standing before God. So Jesus comes and he says, repent. Don't be unbelieving. Believe the good news. And as he was going along, verse 16, by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, Because they were working. This is their job. They're fishermen. By the way, from what I understand, it was a very, pretty profitable business back then. It was a pretty decent job. And Jesus said to them, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. What's their responsibility? Just follow Just follow Jesus. It's about as practical training as we're going to get about evangelism, isn't it? Just follow Jesus. Well, how do you follow Jesus? Well, let's keep reading. And they immediately left the nets and followed him. Now, of course, he was physically in front of them. And so they physically abandoned everything and physically followed this physical person, Jesus. And what was Jesus doing in the process? What does it say? Verse 17. If we follow him, what's he going to do? He'll do the changing. He'll make us. He'll cause us. He'll teach us. We'll become fishers of men. If we're following, we're fishing. Becoming fishers, right? If we're not following, we're not becoming fishers. If we're not becoming fishers, we're not following as we ought, at least. So they left everything, their nets, and they followed him. And going going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately, he called them, follow me. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat, with their hired servants, their job, their plans of success here. and Not that it's wrong to work. My goodness, we've got to eat. The Bible commands us to work or we can't eat. But following Jesus, becoming a fisher of men. So they left everything. They went away and followed him. Turn to Luke chapter 5. So in a sense, you could say this is the, well, it is. It's the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. But if we remember the timetable from this morning, the chart, it's God's whole big picture. He's sending redemption to mankind. 
Remember what Luke said in Acts? He says, I wrote you the first letter, Theophilus, to tell you all that Jesus, what? Began to do and teach. And the book of Acts is the continuation of what Jesus is doing and teaching through us. First the apostles, and then the believers who became believers through the apostles. That's his plan, the redemption of men through other men, meaning mankind, men and women. Luke, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came about that while the multitude were pressing around Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets, probably fishing in the nighttime. And we find out that's exactly what happened. They were out working, fishing at night. Now they're done. They're cleaning up their nets, mending their nets, getting ready. Put them to rest for a few hours. They go and they be with the family, eat, go to sleep, get ready for the next day of work. Verse 3, And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. He sat down and began teaching the multitudes from the boat. When he had finished speaking, okay, so big congregation meeting over. Just says he sat in a boat, he taught the multitudes, now it's finished, that quick. We don't know what he was teaching right there at that particular time. When he had finished, verse 4, speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now that's a physical thing about physical fishing for a physical fish, but boy, does that have spiritual implications in it, doesn't it? And I know personally, myself and other folks who have done mission work have been called to the mission field through that verse. Launch out into the deep. I worked with a mission organization called Word of Life Fellowship. The whole ministry in the Philippines was based upon this verse. Launch out into the deep. And I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but there is some spiritual application here. What's the deep water? The unknown. That deep water that just seems frightening that the Lord might be calling you out into. To go out for what? A great catch our three sisters they had a little calling to Ghana that's pretty deep water isn't it my goodness going to your neighbor whoa that's pretty deep water what are they going to say what are they going to think passing out some tracts while you're buying some groceries paying for your groceries talking to someone about the gospel Launch out. Put out into the deep water. Let down your nets for a great catch. Again, I don't want to over-spiritualize that, but this certainly is applicable here as we find out. Verse 5. And Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night. We didn't catch nothing. But at your bidding, I'll let down the nets. Good old Peter. That's great. What a great response. I'm exhausted, Lord. I've been working hard. And I know brothers and sisters, some of our elders even, that work full-time jobs, come home and go out knocking on doors, launching out into the deep, praying for lost ones, folding gospel tracts, printing gospel tracts, going to your neighbors, going out into that deep water. But I'll do it, Lord. I'm tired. But whatever you say, I'll do. Verse 6, And when they had done this, done what? Obeyed the Lord. Obeyed the Lord. They enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. Wow. That is not common fishing business. That's what they do. They're mending their nets. They're making sure there's no holes. They're strong. They can catch a great catch of fish. And it says, and they signaled to their partners in the other boat. Man, you can just see them. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Hey, you guys, come on over here. Bring your boat. We need help. And they came. And they filled both of the boats so full that what happened? From the weight and the quantity of fish, they began to sink. If we would just trust the Lord. We can't do it. I don't know where to go myself. I don't know where God might be wanting you to go. To your neighbor or to Africa. 
But if we would just let go and trust the Lord and get more involved, involved, completely surrendered to fishing for men. That's what it means to follow the Lord. Inescapable. Inescapable. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He lives inside of us now and his plan has never changed. That's why if you're a believer, you have that urge to talk to that person. Now, of course, many times we don't. We shy away from it. We don't know how to do it. We're afraid of rejection and all the, you know, reasons come. But if we would just launch out into the deep, just step out. Give your testimony. The woman at the well, right? A whole city comes to follow Jesus Christ. She's some kind of a loose woman out there. And yet she met the Messiah. She leaves her water pot. That's no longer that important. That can be attended to later. Sure, we got to eat. Sure, we got to have water. But first things first. I got to go tell somebody. I got to go tell somebody. The nets began to break. The boats began to sink. Verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I'm not exactly sure why he said those words. I think it was just in awe. He knew it was a miracle. He's a fisherman, Peter is. He fished all night, caught what? Zero. The Lord told him where to go, where the fish would be. If he obeyed the Lord, there'd be a great harvest. He wouldn't be wasting his time. He falls down. He says, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Because amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. This was an incredible miracle. And so also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, they said the same. And Jesus said to them, what? Don't be afraid. I'm not here to make you that afraid of me. Yeah, I'm God. Be awestricken, but don't be afraid. You call me master. I call you friend. I'm with you. This is what I'm doing. This is why I came. Come with me. Follow me. Watch what Jesus says I will do. Watch what I will do if we would just launch out into the deep. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be what? Catching men. What could happen if you would dedicate one hour a day, half an hour a day, to getting on your knees and praying that God would work in your life, fill in the blanks, so that you can fish for souls? Lord, I'm afraid. Lord, I can't speak. Lord, and just consistently wait on the Lord. Remember we talked this morning how that's what the Lord says? Go and wait until what? You're clothed with power from on high. Now that, of course, was for the initial indwelling of the Spirit, which we have already. But because of our worldly ways and our selfishness and getting off track like we all do and have, it's going to take time. How long? Not necessarily that long. Just to recognize, confess. Reyield to the Lord, and you are filled to cast out into the deep, to go to your neighbor, to call up somebody that the Lord would lay in your heart, to give out gospel tracts. God can use you. God can do it. You can't do it. I can't do it. God can do it. Follow me. I'll make you become fishers of men. I'll show you how. And everybody, Malcolm's been doing it for a long time. There was a time when it was his first time. I think he would tell you he was nervous, at least. I know Ben Ranth would tell you he was shaking in his boots. He went through the Ezekiel course, how to do the paint board. It comes down, we go down to the beach. Okay, Ben, you're going to be the first one. I can't do it. I can't, I'm not ready. I can't do it. Okay, okay, no problem. Just hang out and just be in the crowd. You know how we do the paint board. Just hang out in the crowd and somebody else got called and they got to shake their self through it in nervousness and stand up in front of a crowd. Okay, Ben, you'll be up next. I can't do it. I can't do it. I 
can't do it. Okay, okay, Ben, no problem, no problem. We don't want to have to call 911. <laughs> it happened three times. I can't do it, I can't do it. And it was the Lord. I just, Ben, come on with me. We'll go stand over here and give out some tracks. And he just, you know, kind of, here, put these in your hand. Okay, here. Thank you, Kristen. What do I got to do? Just stand here. People are going to walk in between you and me and the boardwalk. Okay, just, just hold them out. Close your eyes. And another one, and another one, and another one. And before you know it, he's giving out tracks. Can I give you some good news to read? No, it's, hey, can I give you something to read? It tells you how to make sure you go to heaven. Oh, what's it about? Well, here, let's go through it. But he started scared stiff. So did I. So did I. You think, oh, that's you, Christian. No, it isn't. We all, we're all nervous. We all don't know what we're doing. The Lord wants to use you. We've all got tons of room to grow yet. You know, Ben would agree with that. I would, Malcolm would, you know. But just, and giving out tracks is not necessarily the end. Like, okay, I passed out track, now I'm done. As Ben's standing there, and there's so many, that's why the beach is so cool for this, because there's so many people just going by, and, and, and this can get you, anybody can stand and give a piece of paper, come on. And then before you know it, the, you get, oh, and the Lord fills you more with your, his spirit because you're being obedient, you're, you're trusting him. Lord, I, I don't know how to fish here. Throw out a worm, okay, and they took it. And then before you know it, people are starting to stop. And the guy was like a magnet. And I'm standing there, nobody's stopping to talk to me. But God had a plan. He was training Ben. He's learned. And his greatest fear was that he knew he couldn't do it. And now he knows that, yeah, that's true. I can't do it. But he kept praying after that first day and then days after that. Lord, just help me to remember that. Yeah, I can't do it, but you can and now he's got at least that little bit of memory behind him. I'm not saying he's whatever, but we all start scared. But because you're scared, don't let it turn into shame. It's one thing to be afraid of doing this, talking to people about the Lord. It's another thing to disobey the Lord and be ashamed. And we've all been there too, okay? So this isn't beat us, beat us up time. This is time to just be practical here. But don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they what? They left everything and followed him. You're going to have to, Jesus said. If you want to follow me, if anyone, I'm quoting the Holy Scriptures, the eternal word of God, the creator of the universe who became flesh said these words, if anyone comes after me, he must deny himself. There's no way around it. You're going to have to say no to self. That's the battle. But the scriptures are here. There's brothers and sisters besides us who are, some are, who are here who have experience. What does experience mean? It just means we've done it. It doesn't mean we're good at it. We're just here to try to encourage you that God wants to use anybody. He used Moses. The guy could only barely stutter. He used Gideon. Sorry, that's too many guys. <laughs> what was it, 300 total? 300. Tens of thousands, maybe a million men. And God brought the victory. Jehoshaphat, here's what we want you to do. Don't fight. Just be quiet. You don't have to fight. Just go out tomorrow and everything will be cool. God didn't say cool. You'll win. That was after... After he gave his heart, it says, when he heard the three nations against, were coming against Judah, the one nation, it says what? And then Jehoshaphat became afraid. It's not wrong to, to be afraid. It's wrong to stay afraid. He was afraid, and he turned his attention to seek the Lord. What could God do in your life and my life? Again, if we would dedicate a half an hour a day, 15 minutes a day to get on your knees, if that's your position of prayer. And pray to the Lord. Lord, I'm scared. I'm shy. How many of you know Katrina that come here? She is a... She, she's so sweet and gentle and kind and, and, and bend to the epitome in the female form. Just very shy and afraid. She's out there now. 
You know why? She prayed. She heard of what the elders are doing, others are doing, go door knocking, and we're going to the beach. And she says, Lord, she told us this late afterwards when she came to, to come out with us to the beach. She said, I was praying to the Lord to help me get out of my comfort zone. Ooh. And now she's out there. And she was even more funny than Ben at first. I mean, she literally was like, like, I'm saying, Katrina, stand out a little closer. <laughs> she's like, you don't want one of these, do you? She didn't quite say that, but it was almost to that effect. And now she's just, she's seeing the Lord can use her. It doesn't matter if you're afraid. Just don't stay afraid. Trust the Lord. As a matter of fact, the, the commandment, do not fear. That is a commandment, right? It's the most repeated commandment, second only to praise the Lord. That's the most repeated commandment, praise the Lord. The next one is don't fear. And almost always when it says don't fear, God says the reason why. Because I'm with you. I texted that verse to Joshua, uh, uh, Joshua, to Ben today, Joshua 1.9. Joshua, yeah, you got to go to the giants. You saw them 40 years ago. They're giants, aren't they? Yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord. And you got to go and kill them all. Okay, Lord, okay, Lord. But don't be afraid. Just meditate on the word day and night, verse 8, right? Meditate on it day and night. Then you'll do what it says. Then you'll have success. And don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be terrified, it says. But be strong. Be courageous. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That was a verse someone gave me as I went to the mission field the first time overseas. It's a great promise. God is with you. He told Gideon, God is with you, O valiant warrior. Huh? I'm down here hiding from the Midians. Me, a valiant warrior? Yeah, you, a, a, a valiant warrior. With God. With God. And I'm just relearning this again my, every day. Because then you get, okay, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And you go out there, and before you know it, you're doing it, and it's not the Lord. And then you mess up and you get afraid and you get tired and exhausted and the Lord humbles you and you're back to square one again and you go, wow, I just got to stay in that position where it's not me and I know, God, you can do anything if I'm just willing. Amen? Follow me. Just follow me. Spend time in his word every morning. You got to, if you, somebody once said, I love this statement. It's corny, but I've said it before. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. I do that too many times. I don't want to aim at nothing anymore. I'm 57. I'm on my way. I'm in the, I see the finish line at the end here. I want to aim. I want to aim. I want to aim. At what? Fishing for men. Why? Because that's where Jesus is aiming. Every one of us, Lord willing, will walk out these, this door in a little while. And nothing's changed with God's plan for the redemption of mankind. He wants to use other men and women have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And he can use a woman at the well with just a testimony, not a Bible scholar at all. He can use a bunch of big old burly, rough neck fisherman guys cursing. Peter even cursed at the end of three and a half years, right? I don't even know the guy. But with the Holy Spirit, Peter stands up and 3,000 people get saved. He can do that with you, brother, sister, anyone in this room. He can do that. With you, James, Joshua, any one of us, God can use us for that if we'll just leave our nets and follow him. Follow him. A couple practical thoughts. Everybody should have a gospel track now. A couple verses, and then we'll look at the gospel track. This is obviously not the only gospel track, but this is the gospel, as we'll see in a minute. Romans 1.16 says what? Does anyone know? Why? Because what's the power of God? A two-letter word. It. Singular. When the gospel is heard or read, it has the potential, and it alone, listen, has the potential, it alone, 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. And then he writes 16 chapters. Here's the gospel, the book of Romans. He starts it off. I'm going to tell you the gospel. Why? Because I'm not ashamed of it. Why? Because it and it alone, it and it alone is the dynamite of God to save a soul. A friend of mine is a pastor at Calvary Chapel back in Cleveland. Beautiful brother. Loves the Lord. Loves his word. Great gift of teaching. My goodness. Great gift of teaching. And he loves to say this statement. If they don't believe the Bible, preach the Bible to them. Why? Because it works even if they don't believe it. My word will not return to me void. Not my words. His word, right? His literal words. Speak his words. That's why in this gospel pamphlet, it's almost all scripture. People need to read or hear the scriptures, and that is the only way they get saved. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. What is the gospel? Before we look at the track, we're going to look in scripture. 1 Corinthians 15. Look there briefly, then we'll get to the gospel track. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 1. Please look with me. This is very important. First Corinthians 15, verse 1. How do I win my neighbor to Christ? How do I win my family to Christ? How do I win the stranger that I don't know that I'm talking to to Christ? Share the gospel and pray. I've often said the two Ps, pray and preach. Preach meaning speak. doesn't mean stand up behind a microphone and a platform. You proclaim. Pray and proclaim. Pray and proclaim. Pray and proclaim and then go back and pray some more. That's all we have to do. That's all God. That's how you fish. That's it. Just give out the... You don't have to convince him. We can't. He's going to send the convincer, right? That's the name of the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convince. That's what it means to convict. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit will do his work. But he only does his work. The Holy Spirit only does his work if he has the proper fuel, you might say. Because he's the one who told us how to do it. The Holy Spirit wrote these book, this book. So let's look in 1 Corinthians 15.1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel. Huh, that's pretty cool. Which I preached to you. I'm going to tell you the gospel right now, Paul says. This is what I preached. This is what you received. And this is which now you stand. You're a believer. Why are you here believing in Christ? Because of the gospel. Verse 2. By which also you are saved. How did you get saved? Somebody tell me. By the gospel. Right? If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you. Okay, here's the gospel, guys. Here's... Uh, Pauline Bible School for the gospel. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. I got saved the same way. That's how I received it. I heard the gospel right from the gospel from Christ himself. I saw the gospel. And he heard it before. We know he heard it when Stephen was preaching. Stephen preached and how many others. Anyway, here it is. Number one, Christ died for our sins. We've heard that a zillion times. That could be the first point. Second point, how did he die to our, for our sins? According to the scriptures. What does that mean? According to the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. It was prophesied he would die. That's part of the gospel. As you go through Acts, almost all the time, even with Gentiles, but especially with Jews, always with Jews, they used, and we can use too, the Old Testament scriptures. Isaiah 53, he was pierced through for our transgressions. Do you know, sir, we told this Jewish man down on the beach, Louis, 80-some-year-old man, just pushing his little, not the same one that kicked Matt or somebody that one time. This guy was very nice and gentle. And he just stopped in the middle of a light rain 
And he just couldn't believe that it was in his scriptures. You mean the Messiah was supposed to be pierced through for our transgressions and would be crushed for our iniquities? Yeah, Lewis, this is what it says. Go home and read it in your scriptures. So he goes off. He says, it's starting to rain. I got to go. He goes. He comes back in just a few seconds. He comes. Is there anything else I should read? Now, that wasn't every conversation. How many have ever gone fishing? Do you catch every fish every time you throw out? No, you got to keep fishing. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's got power. You don't have to listen. You, we don't have to convince the people. Just state the facts. Sir, this was written by Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born. That he would be pierced through for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. In Isaiah 52, his face would be disfigured beyond human recognition. Psalm 16, written some 500 years before Christ, that he would be raised from the dead. I told this to some of you might know, uh, Bob Fishman. Uh, he's a, a pharmacist at Post Haste Pharmacy on 46th and Sheridan. Jewish man. And had the privilege, he was teaching me about health and stuff for an hour, and I was able to give him a, a, a beautiful, uh, not this track, a different one, uh, for Jews. How do we recognize the Messiah? He's a Jew. He's an open Jew. He kind of a practicing Jew, which means he believes the Old Testament. Waiting, He said, we're still waiting for the Messiah. I, Why don't you read this? And he was. He was very open. And he couldn't believe this. It's in his scriptures. Share that. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What is the gospel? Another part in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says we preach Christ and him crucified. It's all about Christ. Now listen carefully. Christ died for our sins. What does that mean? The gospel means good news. Real simple. The good news is that you can be saved from the bad news. Let me say that again. The good news is this. You can be saved from the bad news. Well, what's the bad news? For our sins. Men and women today need to understand in the Western world what sin is. And it's the most loving thing we can do. Jesus stood in the face of the Pharisees. Woe unto you, Pharisees! And he keeps listing all their different sins. Why was he doing that? Because he hated them? Because he loved them. Later on in Acts it says, And many of the Pharisees, the priests, believed. If I don't know my house is on fire, and you come and wake me up in the middle of a nice sleep, because you're trying to rescue me out of my burning house, when I don't think it's on fire, and I've had this happen to me, had the privilege to see a young girl back in Cleveland. Praise God, she's fine. It wasn't even flames, but their basement was on fire. Smoke was coming up, and family's screaming, and got a ladder up to the second, second story, and she's sound asleep. And, no, I'm okay. Leave me alone. And then she saw some smoke. Thank you. She came out then. If a person doesn't have any clue about the bad news, the good news is not good news. You're interrupting them. Think with me. The devil has not tried so hard in America to stop people from running around for the last hundred years telling people that Jesus loves them and died on the cross and rose again. But it's cooled off a little bit in the last five years. But what was going on a couple years, maybe five years back for the last five years before that? Get those Ten Commandments out of here. Get those Ten Commandments out of America. We can't have the Ten Commandments. Why is that so? Because Romans chapter 3 tells us very clearly, listen, through the law, which is the commandments, comes the knowledge of sin. Four chapters later in chapter 7, Paul says, Romans 7, 7, apart from the law, without the law, I would not have known sin. But then the law says don't covet. That's how we know the law is the Ten Commandments. That's the Tenth Commandment. When the law said, don't covet, uh-oh, I am guilty as sin. We'll go through the track in just a moment. It won't take long. We have the responsibility 
and fishing for lost souls. We're not just running out there saying Christ died and rose again. They have to understand if we're trying to see them jump in the boat, right, (laughs) of salvation. They have to understand that they're on their way to hell. And there's only one tool that God gave us. Psalm 19 says, The law of God is perfect, converting the soul. We've got to share the law, the Ten Commandments with people. What does that mean? We'll see that in just a moment as we look at the track. Let's keep going here. The good news. Here's the gospel. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried. That proved he died. And what happened then? He was raised from the dead on the third day. How? According to the scriptures. Tell people that. Tell people that. That's that's all we're called to do. Just follow Jesus. He'll teach us how to fish. We don't catch the fish. He does. But he uses us to be in that process. And anybody who's done that evangelism, and many here have and prayed for and tried to share the gospel, there's nothing like it. I love Aaron when he goes out. He says when he's going in between the doors, he's knocking on this door, then to the next door. He's walking and he's praying and he's kind of thinking, going, I almost feel like there's like no way to be more in the will of God than I am right now. And in one sense, one sense, he's correct. This is what God is waiting for before he comes back and sets up his kingdom for his people to go out and share the gospel so that then he can rightfully come back, and he will. It, go, it gets, there's still a couple more points here. The next point in verse 5, he died, according to the scriptures, buried, raised again on the third day, according to the scriptures, no, verse 5. Then he appears. He didn't just raise. People saw him. And it goes on to, all the way through verse uh, 7 and, uh, where's it at? Uh, 5 and 6. Then he appears to more than 500 brethren. He appeared. Don't try and convince the people. We can't. That's not our job. Just tell them. Tell as many as you can. If they're not willing to listen at all, move on to the next person. And pray for that person. My grandmother, 83 years old, 82 years old at the time, Catholic, wore the pants and then some in the family. (laughs) And I'm a new Christian, just got saved. Grandma, can I tell you about Jesus? He died and rose again so you can. I know. And she's loud. And she's yelling at me. And that's the way she was. <laughs> and she's yelling, I'm a Catholic. You think I knew that? And you, Oh, you got something new now? Religion? I went to my bedroom and I cried like a little baby. She was in our house at the time. I cried and I cried. God, don't let my grandma go to hell. Please. About a year later, maybe it, maybe it was even two years, it took some time, and... Uh, I was now accepted to be a missionary overseas to New Zealand, and I'm preparing for that, getting ready to go over. And I had a little slide presentation put together about New Zealand, and then it would end with pictures of a a, a drama of Jesus. And I would always, as I went to churches, talk about New Zealand, and I'd share the gospel. I said, Grandma, can I talk to you about why I'm going to New Zealand and about Jesus? Yeah, things changed. Well, what changed? There was prayer time, a year I think it was one year of prayer time, just crying out for my grandma's soul. At the end of that conversation with my grandma, it was quite a long conversation. I remember it was in our living room couch. She's crying like a little baby, receiving the Lord Jesus as her Savior, admitting that she only had religion before that. Taught her how to sing Amazing Grace to a Catholic. And she's praising God for the Amazing Grace. Then I was still in, in, in the States for a little while, preparing. And about a year later, it took a while before I eventually got overseas. And um, she's in the hospital dying. I go to visit her. Don't worry. I've got Jesus now. He's got me. So pray and share the good news of the gospel. We can't convince them. We don't have to. That's where we get frustrated. I've been myself and I've been with others. That's where we get frustrated. And then that's where we 
do damage, I believe, sometimes. We go further than what we're even supposed to. It's God's job to convince. Now, Paul said, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we what? Persuade men. So he's pleading. I beg you, 2 Corinthians, be reconciled to God. Please, don't go to hell. Christ did die for your sins. You did break the commandments. But we can't convince them, can we? We don't have to. That's not our job. So there's the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. After that, he was seen. Let's go to the gospel pamphlet, and then we'll wrap this up. I like this gospel track because... It gets right to the quick, cuts right to the point. And it works for every quote-unquote religion. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter if you're Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, Catholic, Mormon, Jehovah Witness. When you die, where are you going to go? My little five-year-old nephew uh, who passed away, he had a little speech impediment. He goes, when we die, where are we going to go? <laughs> He's in heaven. Yes, he is. Talking to Jesus on his little deathbed while his daddy's crying over him. Go ahead, Austin. Go to be with Jesus. Watch him take his last little breath. <sighs> Woo! It's going to be great to see him. If you open up the track, and by the way, you might think, well, this is too direct, and it's, it's going to scare him away. A friend of mine says, where are you going to scare him to, hell number two? <laughs> They're already going to hell. Let's remind him the reality, okay? Go spend some time with Steve Pappas. The reality, we're going to die. When you die, where are you going to go? And so you open it up, and we'll just look at the titles up on top and trying to get you the flow here. We're trying to make them understand that God says, okay, I didn't say this. God said it. Many times I've talked with people. I, I, Mrs. Smith or Mr. Jones, you know, I, I'm sorry. I didn't write this. I'm just trying to tell you what God said. And they'll listen. And it's great because you can just give it out to somebody. Oh, I, I forgot to tell people this morning, many of you know this, I got saved by reading one gospel track 30 years ago. So the Word of God, and everybody got saved by either reading or hearing the Word of God. Everybody here got saved the same way. We just got to get the Word out. Give out the seed. Give out the seed, right? And so if you look at the topics here, Judgment Day is coming. You have sinned. Yeah. It's very serious. Isn't death very serious? And what happens afterwards? And again, this works for every quote-unquote religion. doesn't matter. And even the people who say they're Christians, even the ones who say they're born again and aren't, because there's plenty of those out there, right? Then the second page says, because of your sin... God must punish you in the lake of fire. The first section shows you a sinner. And many times when I just, like if I'm at a cash, uh, at the cashier at Publix or something, and I'll just briefly open it because you can't always, you know, people are waiting or it's whatever. But I'll tell you this, a couple times I've been at Publix. I, I love going to Publix at night. Like a lot of times after a meeting, I'll go up to Publix, do a little shopping. People are sitting outside. They're going shopping. The worker's there. Uh, and if you have time, you just... Walk through it. Well, the first page tells us, you know, we're sinners because we broke his commandments. The second page tells us that because of our sin, God has to. He will punish us in hell. Sinners go to hell. But the good news, God gave a way that we can be saved. But what must come before, quote, unquote, Christ died? The bad news. We've got to lovingly give the bad news. And the bad news is the commandments say, God says, and here's the commandments. Let's read uh, page 3, just briefly here. It's appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. How many people, some of us that have been going down to the beach regularly, oh, you just die and that's it. No. Look at what God says. See how I'm doing this? Look at what God says. It's not Christian. It's not my religion, my church. I'm just telling you what God says. And let God do his work, and he will. This is what happened with Janine. Oh, this 83-year-old Catholic lady down there. Once to die and then the judgment. 
That's frightening, man. If the Holy Spirit's working in your heart and you don't have Jesus, you begin to get a little bit afraid. Because death ain't the end. And see, we've got the advantage. We already know that there's no such thing as an atheist out there. We also know that there's no such thing as somebody believing that there's nothing after life. The book of Ecclesiastes says that God wrote eternity on every man's heart. Every man knows there's something. Now, they suppress the truth, and they try to cover it up and avoid it because they don't want to deal with their sin and submitting to God. They like their sin. But that's okay. Just let God do his work. The sword, right? It works. Sword of the Spirit. And then all have sinned. And well, what is sin? It's when we break his commandments. Go through these with somebody. That's what I did with Janine. If there's time. Well, the first commandment is you can't have anything before God. Have you ever put anything before God? Second one is very much the same like it. You can't have anything made with your hands and put it before God and worship it. Any idols, any crosses, statues of Jesus. You ever done that? The third commandment, you can't take the name of the Lord in vain, for God will not leave that person unpunished. Whoa, let that sink in with the person. You ever said, oh, God. But you weren't talking to God and giving him glory and respect. You don't have to just use his name like a curse word to take his name in vain. Just treat it as common, right? Fourth commandment, Sabbath. We don't care about Sabbath. All we care about is me, money, right? You don't need to go into details about the Sabbath so much if you don't want to. That's fine. Fifth commandment. Yeah, I, sometimes I just go, let's just go through the odd number ones. <laughs> First one, nothing before God. Third one, can't take God's name in vain. Fifth one, you ever disobeyed your mother and father? Is that honoring him? There's another Spanish man. His name is Louis, different Louis, down on the beach. Lovely guy, Catholic, nice guy, thinking he's pretty good. Honor your mother and father? Absolutely. Well, Lewis, did you ever disobey your mother? He was a little, I could smell alcohol in his breath. Sure, everybody disobeyed. Do you think that was honoring her? Let the commandments do its work. It convicts people. It prepares them that now I need a Savior. My religion isn't going to help me, no matter what my religion is. And on they go. You know, you shall not murder. Well, Jesus, the first, first John says, if you even hate somebody, you're a murderer. Next commandment, adultery, sexual sin. Of course, Jesus said, if you even lust after the, that person in your heart, you can commit adultery, right? Just walk through the commandments with the people. Can't steal. You ever take a pencil that wasn't yours? I love doing it in India. They all follow behind the sugar cane carts, and you'll see them. You know, they, the people are making money. They got all these sugar canes on these ox carts. It's awesome. These, these, they'll ride with these ox carts, and the, the driver will be sleeping. The ox will go all night long. There'll be a stream of hundreds of these ox carts going to the, the mill where they press the sugar cane and get the sugar out of it. And you'll see in the daytime and nighttime, too, people come and they just take one little thing and take the big sugar cane. You ever take a piece of sugar cane? You just stole it, right? And on we go. Uh, false witness, lying, coveting, selfish desire, sin. You know what Romans 3 says? It says the law was given so that every mouth may be shut and, ha and found guilty and accountable before God. And I have seen it happen. You'll get somebody kind of not thinking they're so bad and, and, and not that convinced that they need Jesus or God. Just go through the commandments if you can. And you watch them get silent. Don't be afraid to tell people that sinners go to hell. I didn't write the book. That's where they go. We've met a lot of people. Oh, there's no hell. Christian people supposedly coming up. I've been preaching in Cleveland in the middle. Why are you always preaching about hell? Interrupting the preaching. Telling, teaching people that there's a real place of lake, a lake of fire to be avoided. That's page two. There's verses there. And it gives a whole list in 1 Corinthians of those people who are practicing these sins. They're not going to heaven. Christian homosexuals, there's no such thing. Christian liars, there's no such thing. No such thing. But then the good news. But God loves you. He punished his son in your place. And God, if they're prepared, it's going to make sense. I'm looking for a Savior. I need a Savior. Right? And you'll see that that's how Jesus taught the woman at the well. No, he didn't. 
He just loved her and asked her for a drink of water, Christian. Don't say that. Oh, really? Go get your husband. Well, I don't really have a husband. I know that. Matter of fact, you've had five. Living with a guy now? Oh. Seventh commandment. First commandment. Tenth commandment. Fifth commandment. She broke a lot of them. Just with that one act, right? Dishonored God. Idolatry. First and second commandment. Coveting. Adultery. Dishonored her parents. And on the list goes. Guilty. But I'm the Messiah. Woohoo! I can be forgiven. I got to go. Jesus, I'll be right back. Water's not important. Goes get. Hey, guys! Yeah, all you guys I've been living with. <laughs> I just met the Messiah. He told me everything. You better come. The whole city comes. She was known in that city. Wow. Very important, page four. Uh, look at page three very quickly in the middle there. There you'll see Isaiah 53, Old Testament prophecy. Great passage of scripture to use with anyone. And just teach them approximately 700 years B.C. those words were written. Before Christ was even born. Already told. God said, this is how my Messiah, you'll know who he is. This is what he's going to do. You explain it. <laughs> Page four, the resurrection. There is no gospel without the resurrection. What kind of good news is that, that our leader died? Right? He paid for our sins, but how do we know for sure? We talked about that this morning. Maybe they're still, well, maybe he's alive, maybe he's not. No, he is alive. He was seen. And here's the verses, some verses to help you out with that. In the bottom of page four, only one way, Peter preaches. Saint Peter, you can share that with Catholic people. That's okay. He was a saint. <laughs> and he shared those words. There's only one name that can save you. And then page five, or the last page, what do you got to do to be saved? Two things. One thing, really, right? John doesn't mention repentance. Why? Because all the other guys did. And he's writing in 90 AD after it's all been, repentance was taught. They knew repentance. So he's teaching them to believe on Christ, which is the ultimate repentance from sin toward God, which means faith in Christ. We turn from our sin. We repent. We stop being an unbeliever. We begin being a true believer on Christ. Okay? Just a few verses. I mean, there's so many more you could share on that back page. And, and I didn't quote-unquote put a prayer there. Why? Because you don't have to pray to get saved. As a matter of fact, I know some of you say, well, I got saved by saying a prayer. No, you didn't. You got saved by repenting toward God and putting your faith in Christ. And you may have verbalized it to God, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Well, that comes after if you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Why? Because salvation is in the heart, right? It's an act of faith. Well, why am I going to put faith in Christ? Because I'm convicted by the law. I'm guilty. You tell me about a Savior that I just got to believe? Believe on him? What did Jesus say? Just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. What happened in that story? He told Nicodemus that, John chapter 3. I'm hoping to go through this with Janine, this Catholic lady. They didn't have to do anything, but wait, go back. Nicodemus knew this story. We might not. The children of Israel were sinning against God, complaining and murmuring. So God sends all these poisonous snakes, serpents, People are dying everywhere from these poisonous snakes because of the judgment of God. They know it's the judgment of God. The people run to Moses. God, Moses, go and tell God to stop this. They're confessing their sin, right? So Moses goes to God. They're repenting. They want help from God. And what does God tell Moses the answer is? Well, you go make a statue of one of them serpents and you put it up on a pole. Anyone who looks to it will live. Okay. All right, guys. Here's what God said. Go make a statue of the serpent, and we'll set it in the center here of the camp, 
Anybody who looks at it will live. Now, there's almost 3 million people. So it didn't just happen the way I did it. Moses sent it out to his guys. They went out riding on their camels and donkeys. It took some time. And everybody's back in their own tent, and they're bandaging up their wounds, and they're weeping because Grandma and little Joey just died because of the, the poisonous snake, and they're bitten, and they're feeling the poison that's seeping in. And, and then here comes this horse rider. Moses got a statue. Come and look at the statue, and you'll be okay. You'll live. That's it. He goes on to the next tent. What? And half the family runs out and takes little Joey, who's bitten by the serpent, to go and get him healed. Come, we got to go. God said so. Don't go. Come on, get some more alcohol. Boil some more water. We'll fix this. We'll heal this wound. If they didn't believe that they couldn't do it, they're doomed. They died. But whoever just looked, boom. As Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, whoever looks. Charles Spurgeon, that's how he got saved preacher told him just look look to me Isaiah 45 I think it is look to me and live all the ends of the earth just look look to Christ but he was prepared by the law I'm guilty now you can't again we're running around to most Americans who don't even have any clue of Bible anymore don't know that they're that guilty everybody's doing this what do you mean men with men women with women drinking drunken it's okay everybody's doing this. this is great we only got one like this is heaven this is paradise look at the ocean out there but it's our job to come and bring the Word of God and let the Word of God do its work. There's not quote-unquote a prayer on here. We don't lead people in prayers. That doesn't help anybody. It's made a mess of the church. It's not God's plan. We teach them about Christ, to repent, put their faith in Christ. We love you. If we can help you later, bye-bye. Let them wrestle with God. There is what is kind of a, uh, uh, some statements here, but every one of them is scriptural. Kind of still more teaching. I don't lead people through these statements here. I let them take it home. God, I'm a guilty sinner who deserves hell. This is the publican beating his breast, right? Please save me, Lord Jesus. Only you can. If they can get to this point, if they understand this, and they're going to cry it out to God, their heart's ready. Nothing I can do can save me. I believe you died for my sins, rose again. Only you can save me. Jesus, you're Lord. You're the Son of God, right? If you confess he's Lord... Confess he's the son of God. I repent now, turn away from my own way. I trust only. And if we would just lead him in a prayer, say, okay, you said that, now you're saved. We don't know that. We don't know that. Then they walk away thinking, how many people we've, we've met? Oh, I did that already. Oh, I got saved again. Oh, I, I prayed that, yeah, 20 times. Anyway, we're out of time. Follow me. I love you, brothers and sisters. You've been a blessing in my life. And uh, Lord willing, in about a week and a half, I'll be heading up north for a while, hopefully coming back. Uh, keep praying for me, and I'll be praying for you. And uh, we've got plenty of these gospel tracks. Uh, we're going to keep printing some more. Again, it's not the only gospel track, but it's a great little thing to give to the unsaved. Plus, it's a great outline for a Christian to sit down next to somebody and just walk through it with them. So keep one for yourself. Start to read it. Study it. Get familiar. And don't be afraid to let the lion out of his cage. Let God do his work. It's the most loving thing you can do is warn somebody who's going to hell and tell them they're going to hell. Isn't that loving to try and if somebody, blind guy, is standing out in the middle of the highway, oh, and he's, and he's deaf and dumb, uh, sir, you're in trouble. There's truck is coming. Leave me what are you going to do? You probably wrestle him to the ground, throw him over your shoulder, and get him across the road, right? Follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. Go home and fall in love with Jesus more than you ever have before. He loves the world. He loves us.